0: I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with the co-founder and director of programming for the Media Rhythm Institute, MRI, a collective of art development programs focused on strengthening the skills of young creatives in the fields of music, media, and performance. Please welcome Deverick Murray. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad we were able to uh, connect and form like Voltron here. So um before we get too deep into the podcast, I want to, you know, open it up for for you to kind of share the the Deverick Murray story and really, you know, key us in on a few things. Where did you grow up? Uh, when did you realize that you wanted to pursue like a career in this sort of arts and arts facilitation sort of realm? So so share the share the story with us. Okay, well, I'm from 21239. Most people know that's Northeast
1: Baltimore. Oh, of course I know. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Uh, You know, grew up right across the street from Morgan. Um, You know, went to school, raised by, you know, my grandparents and my father. Um, One day in high school, you know, to give you a Synopsis, But one day in high school, you know, the teacher who class I used to try to hook all my other classes in was like, I'm starting this debate class and you will no longer be able to hook in here if you don't take this class. You're going to be great at debate. Um, And I, of course, had to follow through, you know, because that was the safe space in the school. I went to Digital Harbor High School was the first graduating class. Um, the teacher's name was Miss valtry now known as Ms. Luton. And, uh, you know, the rest I would say is history. From there, I went into debate and learned my critical thinking skills. I started teaching about at 17 years old because you get to teach the middle schoolers, you get to teach the younger people. Um, and then in debate, linked up with some some brothers and some guys who put me on to Archie the Messenger and Lyricuda Lyricist and Archie the Messenger said this line. He said, um, I never needed a chain, my skin costs cash. And I was at a place where I was learning about all of this, you know, History of Black people in America and everywhere, and so him saying never needed a chain, my skin cost cash. I said, you can rap or 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 make poems and say stuff like that. It don't gotta be about you know girls or or you know bravado or it don't have to be about what I listen to. I listen to Lil Wayne and Jay Z. I like I can rap about what we talking about, you know. So that kind of. know put this fire in my belly and so you know we did some revolutionary things within debate like rapping and doing poetry and debate you know calling on artists like common and lauren hill as authors you know but not your typical authors that debaters would use sure Yeah, yeah um and you know i pretty much never look back i continue to you know be have an entrepreneurial spirit and to get myself in a situations where i was either teaching debate in a high school or you know being a debate coach at a middle school and that just led me into you know always being able to use my voice and my mouth as you know, the reason why people wanted to work with me or how I p- provide for myself, provide for my family. So yeah. that's you know, pretty much the answer in short. And I always remember Miss Veltry, she helped me find my lemonade stand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's what <laughs> we want to do at Media Rhythm Institute is help young people continue to find their lemonade stand. You know, whatever that may be, they may come to us for music or for electronic media and film, dance or DJing. But they may just learn how to do good business, yeah, and wind up being a cosmetologist or being a librarian. But you just learn what's your wheelhouse, you know?
0: Yeah, Um, and and thank you for for sharing that. I I think when you have those moments in high school, you you learn different things, and I and I love where. Some of those like kind of those things that are this is what I'm listening to. This is what I'm doing. Some of those black experiences kind of lend themselves and blend into things that aren't always the typical thing that we might be doing. So I, I remember this, this is gonna age me. It's really corny, but I did it. Uh I went to City. And so I definitely know I went to Morgan too. So I know the zip, okay. you know, and over there roster Alameda, holler at me. And uh that sounded really ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? And I remember at City, uh, I, I was really trying to impress this girl and it was this guy, he did like, we, we were doing the classics in like an, this advanced English class and he, he was just like, you know, he did all like the DJ Clue ad libs mm-hmm. and I hated it. I was like, I'm going to do a better version of it. So I did a whole rap in character as Macbeth and, oh. I, and I dubbed in all of my ad libs in it and the girl was like, that's really funny. That's really creative. And then my name just became Murder Mac, M-U-R-D-A, for the rest of the year. So, yes, <laughs> when you work in some of your things, you know, or even when I had my capstone project, um, I did my capstone project. And, you know, you're spending like a semester on that joint. I did it on The Last Poets. OK. Yeah. So I'm going I'm going in that lane. I'm like, I'm going to work some hip hop in here one way or the other. There you go. So what so and and i read this in there and you already kind of explained like you know what mri is so what are the five pillars of hip-hop and why was it an important component to incorporate that into mri
1: well you know i would i would i would answer your question a little bit differently right um Because sometimes our program gets a unfair um, boxing, if you will, because we say that we have a hip hop lens, right? Um, we really mainly use the pillar of knowledge, right, for as the lens, right? And that's more important and the most important one that I'll speak about. You know, you have graffiti, you know, you have B-boy and B-girl and you have lyricism, you have, you know, the music aspect, but knowledge is really the one that's important. And most people call it the fifth L, you know, the fifth element of hip hop. Um, Media Rhythm Institute considers itself the pop Warner of the entertainment industry mm. you know if a kid wants to play a violin I mean from the age of five until professionalism there's somebody who can train them if a kid wants to play football basketball baseball from the age of five you had somewhere to go you work on that craft you get 10,000 hours and then you go to college for it and then you you can you go pro Right. But most of the time in hip hop or in the music industry or in entertainment industry, you. Waste a lot of time in high school, middle school. You do a bunch of different things. You you wind up doing some drugs one day in school and you like music. And then all of a sudden you're a rapper or all of a sudden you make music or you shoot videos or different things like that. We wanted to give kids starting at middle school the opportunity to have a skill where they craft, where they get 10,000 hours at entertainment industry. You know, we felt like young people are the driving force of the economy of entertainment, but yet they are purely consumers when they should be content creators. Right. Yeah. And they should benefit from that. So the culture of what we do is hip hop, but not all the songs are hip hop, not right. all of the, what we create and produce. Um, And it's important for what we do to feel and look like hip hop Because one, it's like one of the most fastest spread cultures without as much violence, you know, as all of the cultures. Like, even if you look at some religions, they spread, but it was war behind it. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, people just love hip hop. You know, my business partner, Jimmy Thomas from the Curators of Hip Hop, he, you know, goes, has relationships in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. has relationships in every state in this country, you know, that's purely based off of hip hop. So, you know, young people love hip hop. It's a way of life, you know, and we like to center ourselves on knowledge. You know, the more you know, the more reps you get, the better you're going to be later on at what you're trying to do. And, And that's why the lens of hip hop is important with knowledge being,
0: you know, at the forefront. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think you know getting those reps in is is important. I like the way that you put that. Um, and I think yeah, knowledge is really really important because you you know that the the music, the entertainment industry has had a rich history of taking advantage of people who aren't in the know. So being able to kind of help folks, and I think the other thing that I picked out of what you were describing there of also doing things that are outside of what you know. Has this definite definition of oh this is rap music, this is hip music, hip hop music, and so on. But something that's outside of that, because at a point it does become diluted. It does become like okay, everyone is is trying to do this, and maybe it's not for everyone. Like I see that in some regards with podcasting. Everyone wants to have a podcast, and most of them aren't good. And you know, if I'm being honest about it, I mean, it's a little smoke, but most of them aren't good. I heard you say that in the Delali interview. Uh, and I'm gonna talk to you. I wanna talk to you about that
1: too, because we wanna collaborate. You know, I told the people over at MRI, you know, that I was interviewing with you, uh, they actually brought your podcast up first. Um, oh. or, but we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk we finish this. Um, because I heard you say, you know, you give some game because you can't stand a good, a bad podcast. <laughs> this and is true. Feel you, that's where we at. We tired of all young people dying because they rapping about things that they think they know when a hey, somebody does want your record about you know this is how you fix a bike this is what riding a bike every day is like this is what being a part of a papa willie this is what being a part of you know the 12 o'clock boys is we, we want
0: records that are not just and and i think it's even it's even broader right where I'm on this, this train of being an advocate for like, if we're here locally, right. This is, we're doing this this as Baltimore based, all of that good stuff. And we want to have content that is reflective of what happens here, but also that is diverse and rich. And it's not showing like a pocket or corner of what happens here. And I remember I was talking with um, a dude recently and we were like, yeah, you know, where's the comedy in Baltimore? Where, where, where in, in terms of like the media that's being created, the entertainment that's being created. And it and it kind of aligns with, the, with what you were describing there with the music. Like, look, you can create content that is of anything, whatever you might be living. I'm sure that there is a sitcom somewhere that's taking place in a Jiffy Lube over there in like West Baltimore. But we don't seem to be interested in making that. So right. it's just like- what are we what are we trying to do, and why are we trying to do it? And what sorts of deals are people signing? And you know, what sorts of deals are they doing? And I think going back to it, having that knowledge, knowledge is power, knowledge knowledge is strength that you can say, you know what I don't want to do that. I think I have a better option and taking that debate background, which I'm sure you work into conversations. so tell so tell me about that. Tell me how debate has has helped you in like within MRI, whether it is, like building it out, whether it is with working with the different young folks there. Tell me about that. Debate, I would say that the part that I would comment on
1: that I feel like is the most relevant to the success of the company and my success period is that the number one thing that debate taught me was uh, preparation. Yes. So within debate, you, there's a thing called cross-ex, right? So, you know, I get up, I present a case. LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. My opponent is going to be able to come to me and say, well, if he is better, why does he have less rings? Okay. Mm -hmm. so a part of preparing is that when you know what your case is, you have to figure out where are your weaknesses? What questions will my opponents ask me? Mm hmm. So that you can have your answer ready, because if you get caught in a quite with a question that you don't have an answer to, that is going to be where they lay their whole argument against you and not being prepared for that question. I've seen it happen so many times you lose a whole debate round yeah. based on not answering one question. So the way that we approach business is that. We get prepared. You yeah. know, when, when we approach a client or a client approach us, you know, we know who we're talking to. We know why what we do is important to you and why what you do is important to us and what do you need and why do you need it? Then do we want to be involved with that? So I think being prepared is a very important thing. And then uh, I like to make words up and some people will say it's not a word, but I love using it and secondarily. You know, I swear that's a real yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. So it has to be. But people get mad when I say it. I, I refuse to stop. Secondarily, um, you can take two tones in debate. You can take a forget you. I'm right. Mm-hmm. Or you can take I am going to concede things we cannot agree on mm-hmm. to get to a place where you can't win because I'll pick the one thing. Like, okay, yes, Jordan did it first. Yes, LeBron, mm-hmm. this, LeBron, that. I said, but LeBron is the GOAT because he's still a good person in his greatness.
0: That's that. So I'm hearing, I'm hearing chess. Yeah. I'm hearing, I'm hearing rap battles. I'm hearing a litany of different things that I think going back to it, talking, talking about this sort of, cross application from let's say things that are generally synonymous with hip hop to things that have a certain professional lens as i do that with quotes mm-hmm. I, I i see that i think those are critical thinking skills like even yeah. from my, my standpoint like i'm I'm a, I'm a data analyst and you know on occasion i have the right business cases so i have to go through in terms of testing why doesn't this work it's it's being a lawyer. This is what my opponent's going to say here, and I'm. This is why I'm going to disprove everything he's about to say. And in many ways, that's why this podcast exists. You know, people are saying <laughs> Baltimore doesn't have X, Y, and Z. It's like cool. Let me show you what we got. Right. So I, I definitely want to say wavelengths there. And again, critical thinking is 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 a key thing. So I I want to ask you this. This this one I know you're going to have something for. Define professionalism. And do you feel that your perspective, being a black man from this part of town, you know, is represented in this larger idea of professionalism? Man, that's a
1: great question. Um, So me and my business partner, we go on these runs, bike rides, walks. um, And during the pandemic, we used to do them every morning. And we used to talk. And one of the things that's really a mantra in our company is two things. You are not a professional because you do something at a high level Mm -hmm. that doesn't make you a professional. And you cannot claim professionalism. People who work with you have to deem you a professional. You ever hear somebody talk about uh, certain players? Like, let's say they talk about Tim Duncan. He said he's a true professional. Mm -hmm. But he—they're saying that about somebody that's in a league in the NBA, where theoretically we would all think everyone is a professional. Yeah. Well, the qualities that you would see come from a Tim Duncan, right, or a person that they would say that about, is that—and this is what I was going to say—was the mantra of our company: How do you manage your personal issues, whether that's trauma? whether that's Mm -hmm. things that are currently going on in your personal life, how do you manage those things in professional settings? Yeah. When, when you have to do your podcast and you just had an argument with a spouse or with the, you know, interviewee beforehand, does that lapse over into the next interview when, you know what I'm saying? You just had to give your child, you know, a reprimand and now you got to get on and do your interview. Does that, throw everything you know and i got seven kids and they all want something and it's all a conversation how are you able to function when everything is against you you know mm-hmm. do you you know professionals in my opinion undersell they over deliver right um they lose in silence and they also win in silence right and they're able to be good consistently And I think that that's what makes people great. And all of those things that we talk about make people professional, you know, and you got to have a really good control of your personal in order to be a professional.
0: And so when it comes to like some of these ideas, because I agree with most of it, right? And I think that there is a spot where when we hear that thrown out, I think without context, when we hear... Be a professional thrown out without context. It has a Eurocentric sort of vibe to it. That, for instance, you know, if you look at sports, right, you got to be a professional about it. It's like, yo, know, this football game is entertainment. This, if this dude wants to sit there and like, you know, do the Tootsie roll or something, I don't, I don't know what dance people do anymore. But <laughs> well, if that's what Mans wants to do, then in the the context of what this is, these are huge adults playing a child's game. But when someone is doing something that's a little too This isn't buttoned up. You got to be a professional. It feels like kind of like racism a
1: little bit. And I feel you. I get exactly you know like where you're coming from. And uh, even going back to that Delali interview because you know he's one of our mentors um, through the Boost program. And you know we were already on this page, but it gave us more place to go. Like. Where I'm at now in my life and in my business, I don't, I'm not even able to, like, I couldn't have ever got to that part of your question had you not came back and rephrased it. Because it's times where me and my business partner all the time, we walk into meetings and he's in Jordan's (laughs) tracksuit, he has wicks, you know what I'm saying? But I walk in with a suit and tie. Yeah. You feel me? He might be speaking professional and I might be like, yo,
0: this is what we're going to do. And people be very confused. It's a very confusing visual. And, <laughs> but I, but I like that and I go to every meeting with Carhart because I'm working on myself. So I might as well show it, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's the thing where you already have whatever this person's preconceived thing. I remember listening to, the homies from uh, what is it? Um, Earn your leisure, and they were like, "Yo, well, this is hip hop. We're not going there with suits on. This is what right. we're wearing, right?" And 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 it's that thing of authenticity. That's really one of the things in it. And if you like switch it up, it's like you don't wear suits on there. Now, if you wear suits all the time, that's Chris. That's tight. I love it. I love suits.
1: You know, and I I do wear suits. You know, all the time when yeah. I go to the Kingdom Hall. You know what I'm saying? I also. I just I mean it's to me it's nothing slicker than a tie matching a hanky and then you throw that little you know the lapel joint on yeah. it slide up in there with some nice slippery earls. I like <laughs> you tell me I I love doing that like yeah. I am I believe you know what Paul said in the Bible, you know what I'm saying when you when you go, I'm a chameleon of sorts like when I go to the hood, when I go to the kids to teach, I'm going to have my J's on. When I go sit and I talk to the teachers, I'm going to wear what they wear to work. I'm going to eat what they're eating. I'm going to talk to them because, like I said, what my mission and how debate plays, I want to agree on as many things as we agree on so that where we disagree, you understand how reasonable yeah, my yeah. disagreement is, you yeah. know? and So I change and I morph, and but they're all who I am, you know? Oh, I dig that, you know, yeah. We don't ask any of our staff the way we tell our staff be exactly who you are, because when you walk into a classroom, there is a kid or two there that need to know you exist so they can be themselves. percent. Then we defeat the Eurocentric idea of professionalism with product. Yeah. Results. Yeah. You know, so. <sighs> Most of the companies that do what we do in Baltimore City, you know, it's easy. It's easy to get money. It's mm-hmm. hard to keep it. And we're successful at what we do because of the product and the results, not because of what we wear, not because of how we talk, not because of where we came from. And, you know, all you need is one opportunity. Yeah. to And if you can retain that, you'll
0: keep winning. 100% and you know and and I got I got one question after this before we get into these rapid fire questions but I want to at least throw this out there at this period and it's it's come up in a few different podcasts where I did the thing I kind of sold out this sort of professional thing for for a job but it was a job that was aligned to podcasting it was aligned to marketing things that were very important to me in that scope at that time and I I sold out for it I changed the visual to try to fit what I thought they wanted and crush the interview. And ultimately they just kind of went into a different direction. They they did the professional ghosting, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I was stuck with this sort of stain of, yo, you know, you did that, right? You know, you kind of sold this out. It's like not say going there and be like, you know, like a hot boy, but also going there as you are, what have you. And, you know, I took that L, but I learned from that. That was the other L on that. I learned from it. And, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that again. I'm just who I am. You either rock with it. Like, you brought, like, when someone wants to work with me in this capacity now, it's like, you brought me in. You you wanted me. You have more than enough content out there to get a sense of who is this guy. And sure, there's a certain degree of contrivance. There's a certain degree of performance in doing these interviews. I'm I'm relatively, like, quiet dude or what have you. When I'm doing an interview, it's like, all right, I, I, I got to act like I'm here. You know what I mean? I can't act like right." So, Never tell me about don't know, right? it's like, yo, you got nothing, bro. Like, what are you doing? All right, so you got to have that energy level. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's important work, especially when you're working with young creatives. Like, be who you are, you're the only you. So this is the last like real question that I have. And I think, I think community is a big component of the work that you're doing because I think without a community, without like people really working with you, people like, like, like children coming into the mix, young creators coming into the mix and being able to work with all of these different people as mentors and such. I think one of the things that we've seen over the last few years, especially with like COVID, you know, you talked about being on zoom so much. There is, um, there's a shift away from this sort of analog in-person thing. Mm-hmm. How do you limit or manage the amount of digital that's within your work? Cause I think sometimes, like for instance, I was telling you earlier, I went up there to Philly. I could have just got on, hey man, let's get on here in this Zoom. But I think sitting there and having a conversation with them, people are much more receptive to what yeah. you're saying. And they get that because you're right there, they can they can smell the fear. You know, so tell me about yeah. tell me about that. Well, you know, I do much more
1: management of the digital workspace in my home than I do in the in 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 business. True. Right. You know, so like my kids have a, a video game limit, you get one hour on the game, you know, you, you get one hour on your phone, you know what I mean? Um yeah. We do much more management of that in the house and you can't stay in your room all day. You need to be downstairs in the common space with everybody, you know, talking at at work. It is very much so hard um, to know how I manage that. I am a person who. Because of my morals and my values, I don't do well on social platforms. Yeah it's so much based on, like, I love your, your, you know, your Instagram, how you promote yourself is very clean. It's organized. People can know exactly what they get in. It's a lot of content, easy to find what I want to see. You know what I'm saying? Even though scrolling through it, but I, I, not, not to downgrade or downplay you, but in the work that we do, Cause mm-hmm. Jimmy and I are very much so exactly the same in this, not playing social media so much. We have to hire somebody to do that. And so, but that's their business. Of yeah. That's what they do. So it's a natural divide. Um, I'm so much so in love with Zoom though, because we had to bring all of the people together, get them somewhere. Then you gotta think about feeding them and and then worrying about getting sick. Where now we had staff wide meetings where everybody can be where they need to be. It's saving on gas, it's saving on travel time. But we do for every three meetings we have on Zoom, we're gonna have one in person. We're gonna break bread. We're gonna yeah. eat. So I think, you know, it's a fine line because. I love people and I love being in front of people. And I do feel like I feel like Zoom is not really what you're asking about, because to me, Zoom is one of the great things. But I agree with you when you say, no, we got to be in person and touch this yeah. person and, you know, do those things. So I, I guess really, honestly, my answer is that I'm not managing it much well, you know, that much. And, but where it is, is working, is much more managed, you know, in my personal life with my children, raising yeah. them. But for the most part, it's really hard to get around because we do so much music and video. Yeah. Those things have to be coordinated through, you know, Zooms and via telephone and phone calls. Um, but we teach in person, you know, the important yeah. parts of what we do happen in person, but we are prepared to do those things virtually if need be, you know?
0: No, that, 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 that helps. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, you know, there's different tiers and, I, and I'm going to move into these rapid fire questions, but I think there are different tiers with it where, you know, some people rather do the passive thing. Let me text you, let me email you. But I find that, especially when you're having conversations <laughs> about funding and so on, you have a conversation with somebody, you're on the phone with them, Right. It's more receptive. It's not, I think that's, that's how I'll look at it. And I, but I like the way that you described it. It's like, yeah, we're going to do Zoom because that's, to make, that's the way that makes the most sense, but we're going to break bread. We're going to, we're going to do these things that right. show, you know, that we're, we're connected. It's almost like when, you know, people were shut down from going into the office. It's like, eventually you're going to have to get back in there. You got to get used to that sort of connection. And it's like, I feel like, when people went back, when people started going back, I was like, I don't think people are ready to go back outside yet. I don't, I don't think we're there yet because yeah. people weren't, you know, experiencing that. So I think being able to dabble and have enough in there yes. like, use. And I, and I love that you were like, no, nah, I have someone to manage that. And I try to limit my time on social media too, because it's a, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. And I'm yeah. like, let me schedule this. And let me go through a third party app, have that thing scheduled to go out when the episode drops Yes. And move on from there, because you know it's you get caught yeah. in it. and i I do have two
1: more two more things to say on that now that I've heard your responses and thought about it. two things. one, we use technology in our company as a tool mm-hmm. and do not allow it to be our way of doing things, right? but it's mm-hmm. a tool because sometimes people get confused with like money is a tool. Sure. But people fall in love with it. They praise it. You know what I mean? We try our best to zoom is not the, not the way we work. It is a tool that makes our business faster, more efficient. And and so, you know, keeping things technology wise as tools and not allowing them to become our way, our culture, our way of doing things. That's, 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 that's like how I would say that we do manage it. Mm -hmm. But then the second thing is this to comment on what you said about people not being ready to come back outside man we had to have multiple trainings to explain to people these children and these parents have not had to answer to anyone (laughs) years yeah and these teachers have been beat upon You know, these administrators have been beat upon for two years through, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The the, the screens. So we have to do everything with love. We have to come into understanding that nobody is the same. People are socially, you know, at a deficit because of two years of not being in person. So, you know, I Uh, I feel you on that, man.
0: Yeah. So. And, and thank you for that. I, I think we can move into these last few rapid fire questions. They're quick questions. You know, We you know, we don't want to get in the weeds on these. But I think you'll like oh, I think I like what we got here. Um, okay. So, you know, I like to look at it like I said what I said. You know, that's kind of what it is. All right. I, I'm going to start off with one that's going to be controversial for you. Favorite pair of J's. 11s okay that wasn't controversial
1: yeah uh, these joints right here i was specifically wearing this guy this guy to be just i want to feel good when i'm in my interview so uh, <laughs> i yeah, love that it's just something about the look that's yeah. like it just you know i don't know it
0: just look good upon feet you know and they're comfortable too what is okay this this one, this one is a thing this, this is a recent question I've asked. you' only be the second person I've asked this uh so far uh from the year that you graduated from high school, what is your favorite song that came out that year? Wow, yeah,
1: uh-huh. I don't even know two thousand and I graduated in oh six. I feel like it has to be something from Kanye West, 2006 songs. Let's skip this one and come okay, back. Okay. We can come to back to
0: it. Um, so this is another kind of going into the war pole sort of situation. Uh, what is a hip-hop trend, I'm thinking fashion here, that you want to come back? Like, you know how we we, we swap out things. I remember when when I'm a few years older than you, I graduated in 03, and uh-huh. there's a lot of jabots, a lot of long tees, a lot of jabots. Uh-huh. So, so what is a trend that you were like, you know what, I want that to come back? Man, you know what? I,
1: you probably would hate this answer, but I don't want none of it to come back. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was one of those kids where um, I was ahead of, you know, the, the cultures and the curves because my grandmother wouldn't let me dress like everybody else. So yeah. I was wearing form-fitted T-shirts and pants that were a little bit tighter when everybody was wearing baggy jeans <laughs> and jabos because she was like, you're not going to look like them because when the police come to scoop everybody up, oh, you better man. look different, you know. And so I, I like, I've been dressing like this since I was... 15 and i'm pretty good with it staying here okay um, i'm gonna go with rick ross hustling that's
0: a good one i'm looking at it right I'm now
1: the, every day i'm hustling, hustling what that's
0: that's a good one that's a good one um yeah i'm i'm, I'm probably going with kick push because i was one of those kind of guys but it's but did kick push drop in 2006 but yeah I, and he dropped daydreaming too
1: I guess that's a fact, but a hustling is
0: is fire, actually.
1: <laughs> I mean that like you know, back then too, like I was the ultimate hustler. I used to sell penny candy at school. I used to sell forty pieces for a
0: dollar. I used to make a hundred dollars a day selling candy at my school. Son, I'm I'm six four, like like three hundred. I carried around a duffel bag, yes, with, like canned sodas. Body I was on, um, yes, and yes. and uh, I would go to the uh, what's the what's the spot? I would go to like BJ's or Sam's, E Greens, yup. Then I'm um, undercutting the cafeteria easily, yes.
1: Listen, I got in trouble so many times <laughs> at school. You know the uh the strap notebook that yeah. was strapped on your side. I gutted yeah. the whole notebook, and I just used to hit out the joint, boom zip yeah, it that's really
0: funny yes and I, and I mentioned i mentioned my size because of the duffel because it looked like i was going <laughs> to football practice so it's like oh and i'm like i'm not on a team a team i'm selling
1: i'm selling these candies selling these sugar when my teacher found out how much money i was making they made a school store wow i'm the reason why digital harbor had a school store they that said, is no way this guy's making a hundred dollars a day
0: so let me let me throw this last one out to you um yes. So you, you mentioned the LeBron and and, and uh and Jordan sort of situation, which is always a thing. I wanna switch it to creative since that's the lane that you're in. Yes. Who name a creative that you think is over hated?
1: Over hated?
0: Yes. And that's what we're gonna close on. That's what we're gonna close on there. Over hated. Yeah. They just hate on this person. It's like they can do no good regardless. And, but it's like, but they're good, though. Nah, they're whack. Well, I don't like them. But it's like, everything they do is fire, though. You know,
1: uh, this is a little bit confusing because he gets so much praise. Mm-hmm. But the conversations are always stupid to me. Like, to I me, I'm mean, i a J fan. You feel okay. me? So to me, Jay-Z, you know, he gets blamed in places where he shouldn't. Of course, that means he gets praise in places where he shouldn't, and also praise in places where, um, you know, he didn't have anything to do with. You know, yeah. so I'm gonna say Jay, the overhated. You know, what's that line? Oh, he's six six two, getting in a new Bugatti. You know, <laughs> just... the Illuminati. You know, like yeah. that line is crazy. Like I-, I would say Jay, especially with all the work he's doing around the NFL right now. That yeah. they talking about and mad but you about to get rihanna in the halftime show people got to relax
0: yeah like tighten up guys so that's it um i want to you know one thank you for coming on to this podcast and secondarily i'm gonna <laughs> use your words now
1: <laughs> there we uh, go. Uh,
0: i want to i want to um invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks uh, the listeners where to check you out and where to check out um media rhythm institute the floor is yours Hey, well, listen, I want everybody to go to
1: Um, You know, you can also find us at MRI Programs. You can find me on social media at devrockmxdevrockmx. You can find the Truth Album Volume One out now on all social media platforms, on all digital streaming platforms. You know, you have to constantly stay up to date in being a professional in order to teach at MRI because the kids don't believe you. If you're not out there hitting jumpers, then you can't teach them how to shoot. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, we, I do not take it lightly that you would sit down and interview me about the work that I'm doing at Media Rhythm Institute. I, I'm so appreciative, and i like to shout out my wife, Cray Designs, Kelly Murray, who makes it so easy for me to do all the things that I do, and our family, MX. That's the Murray 10. Um, I just thank you so much for having me on. 100%, man.
0: With that, I want to again thank Devrick Murray for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, community, people doing good work in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.